0: The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker.
1: Right now at that time, 8.16, you're tuned to WGNS. Our guest on the first half of the program this morning from MTSU, Dr. Ken Curry, chair of the MTSU Department of Engineering Technology. How are you this morning?
2: I'm good, Scott. How are you?
1: I'm good. So how long have you been a part of MTSU?
2: Uh, i joined in august of 2021 so i've been here almost exactly two years
1: so you got here right at the start of uh well future construction it sounds like
2: exactly (laughs) yeah so uh the In fact, even before I started, I was getting uh, phone calls from the the dean at that time uh, asking me to meet with some of our industrial advisory board members to talk about the new building.
1: And of course, MTSU, they have broken ground on a $74.8 million applied engineering building. And this is a, a big step for MTSU. The building that you're currently in, the engineering building, how long has that been on the
2: campus? that has been there since 1941 it's it's uh it's a pretty old building and uh it's not well-suited for engineering kind of labs, but uh, we're making do with what we've got.
1: And that is the Vorhees building. And if it were designed in the 40s, built in the 40s, I can only imagine that, it, well, like you were saying, it's not very well-suited, at least for today's engineering classes.
2: That's correct. It's uh, We're trying to make some modifications right now just to get a spy for the next two years until the new building gets ready for occupancy
1: and in today's engineering computers are i'm sure a huge part of it if not everything so kind of tell us what it's like today versus you know when that building first was built
2: wow i'm trying to think back of when the building was built uh you know at that time probably almost everything was just is kind of geared around towards machining uh machine technologies Uh, and nowadays, you know, even in our machine shop, uh, everything is, uh, computer numerical control. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not the same world that we lived in at that time.
1: And those who earn a degree and go through these studies, what are they gearing up for themselves?
2: Well, a lot of them are are going into the manufacturing or automation integration uh, fields. Uh, So we have a lot of uh, automation integrators that uh, work with larger companies to basically work on, um, you know, both uh, the network uh, principles for computer networks to integrate automation Components like vision systems and robotics and conveyor systems and uh, all the different types of uh, inputs that uh, go into play for uh, the automated world that we live in.
1: You know, it seems like in the news lately, we've heard a lot about artificial intelligence. Will that play a role in the future of engineering?
2: Huge, uh, huge. We just uh, purchased some new cameras, some vision systems for manufacturing and automation systems. Uh, that have embedded within them uh, machine learning uh, principles for automa- uh, artificial intelligence so that they can pick up features from parts that are being uh, uh, scanned and and taken pictures of so that you can actually get measurements of uh, parts from one point to another. You can look at diameters. Uh, so it's almost like a, uh, a quality assurance program uh, all built within one little camera.
1: Again with us this morning, Dr. Ken Curry, chair of the MTSU Department of Engineering Technology. Will some of this, I guess, artificial intelligence, will, will it take away anything from jobs?
2: No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, we've we've got a real problem in most of our industries trying to find good workers to to work and so we've got a worker shortage and so a lot of this uh ai and automation is going to allow us to uh have um robots even robots are going to be working alongside uh individuals to make their work more productive so
1: is there going to be room in the new building in order to really teach hands-on about some of the different equipment and the technology that's going into play these days
2: yeah we we've actually started gearing up to purchase and receive some of the new equipment that's going into the the new building and we're we're getting a couple of new uh what are called cobots uh, they're collaborative robots, and the unique feature of these cobots is that they have force feedback mechanisms within each one of their joints, uh, so that if they encounter an obstruction, uh, if someone happens to be in the way or something ha- happens to be in the way, the whole robot just stops. Most of the other robots, they'll just go right through that, and you have to be very careful. And usually, they're they're usually set up with safety features to To prevent any kind of harm, but these cobots are specifically designed to work alongside humans uh, without uh, preventing it. You know, it, it, to prevent any kind of harm to them, uh, and uh, we're getting a bunch of other automation equipment as well as gifts from some of our industrial advisory board members
1: in education you know literally worldwide in education it seems like so many new ideas are developed day in and day out do you foresee this new building allowing students to come up with new ideas that will help in the technology
2: field i sure hope so we're we're going to have some makerspace available uh, so that students can come up with some initial prototypes of some of their systems. But even in our capstone projects, a lot of our students are coming up with innovative kind of ideas and products.
1: I guess a lot of stuff starts at that educational level where there is hands-on application of different tools and, and different learning
2: ideas. Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, we're, we're trying to get students uh, not only accustomed to technology that is currently in the industry but also uh things that they can uh innovate on as well some some things that they might want to uh try to to bring to life themselves
1: the automotive industry is big in middle tennessee what do you expect to see let's say over the next 10 years in that industry as far as the different labor that's involved, you know, computer involvement versus hands-on involvement.
2: What what can we see? Oh, I think in the automotive assembly, you're you're going to see pretty much. Uh, you might see a little bit better interface with uh, production systems. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd start to see uh, a voice-activated kind of feedback from uh, previous work that you'd done. Uh, almost like a Siri, uh, that kind of a thing where you ba- basically uh, would be able to query uh, what's going on in terms of quality, uh, throughput, some of that. Uh, but I, I think that as we see more electrification uh, of the automotive uh, sector, I think more of those jobs are going to be kind of uh, robot related simply because um when you're dealing with lithium-ion cells in batteries uh you almost have to uh, deal with that with robots because of of safety
1: is battery technology that next step that we're going to be headed
2: i i think (laughs) i'm not exactly sure i don't want to uh, because i think there's there's a lot of issues that have to be overcome just like any new technology um you know there's there's all kinds of, of different kind of propulsion ideas for automotive uh and uh but i, I do think that we're going to see more and more um even in driving um uh, we're going to see more uh, ai and in, in technology
1: it's going to be wild to kind of see what does occur in the future
2: yes i i think that uh uh we've got uh ford blue oval and of course uh ultium is uh, partnering with uh, gm uh and nissan of course has got um uh, a battery uh, company that's located right next to them Uh, so i think we're going to see uh more and more of this and uh i know that ford uh blue oval specifically requested mechatronics engineers as one of their uh pipeline that they're looking for
1: and when you look at things like electric vehicles while they've been around for a while really the big changes have come over the last five or so years
2: yeah the battery technology is changing still changing so much i mean uh and i think uh, it's also from a safety standpoint it's not just from uh capacity Standpoint in terms of how long it can drive, but also uh, they're they're formulating the electrolytes on these lithium-ion batteries so that you don't get the the dangerous spikes that that cause uh, fires and whatnot. So I think a lot of that's going to uh, kind of be worked out in the near future.
1: So with with batteries, is that more of a, a science department or is that an engineering?
2: Question. yeah that's a really good question uh, generally speaking it's a little bit of both uh, you know you got to have the basic fundamental understanding and that's going to come in chemistry uh, but the the other part of it though is how do I package it how do I protect it uh, so that it's going to drive safely that's all an engineering kind of a standpoint
1: Again with us this morning, Dr. Ken Curry, chair of the MTSU Department of Engineering Technology. And once more at MTSU, they've broken ground on a brand new applied engineering building. And how big is this new building going to be?
2: About 90,000 square feet.
1: So when you compare that to the older building,
2: <sighs> big difference there, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to just get a perspective. I would say probably about, I don't know, maybe uh, 10 to 20 times as big. <laughs> so th- this was badly needed. <laughs> oh, yeah, really, very much so. Is there
1: going to be a large auditorium in there or
2: several? There, there is, just one. Just one. Um, we currently don't have enrollment right now to, to merit uh, a class size of uh, 150, but uh, can, the overall uh, master plan in the university is to increase the number of auditoriums for larger class sizes
1: and are there manufacturers who are coming in with mtsu to say you know this is the input that we believe should be a focus how do you go about deciding you know what direction to head with different technology programs
2: oh i think our advisory board our industrial advisory board is just phenomenal we've got great partners And they're giving us guidance every every time that we meet about things that we should be uh, including in the in the new building. And several of them are stepping up and and providing gifts in kind to try and support that.
1: Now, I I know I believe it was Sydney McPhee, the president of the university, who talked about how, you know, innovation is going to be a big part of the MTSU campus. Tell us more about that, because I believe there are several new buildings At least two have been built in the recent years.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're going to be located directly uh, adjoining the new School of Concrete and Construction Management. Uh, and so I really think that we're probably going to see uh, even better collaboration between our two uh our two departments simply because um they're doing a lot of work in 3d printing of concrete materials and uh it's that kind of innovation that we're also looking to try and bring to uh the new applied engineering building
1: is it getting cheaper to build different parts when you're trying to put together a a new machine of some kind because of that 3d printing
2: uh, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that we're really kind of hoping is that with these new cobots that we've got coming in, uh, that we can uh, start to shape our own end effectors that will allow us to uh model uh modify end effectors to just pick up what we need to pick up uh instead of just giving kind of uh, buying a new end effector each time we'd be able to innovate and kind of come up with our own designs
1: so when you first got into that field of engineering how big of or how many changes have you seen
2: (laughs) well i've seen a lot (laughs) i've seen a lot of changes so uh yeah i mean uh uh i uh, just in the first industry i started out in uh they've made major changes in terms of i mean it was a it was an aluminum plant where they made uh, f- uh flat rolled products for beer and beverage can stock and uh, it was a huge plant had 100 acres under roof and uh, they probably don't even need that much now because uh that i came in before they were recycling cans <laughs> so uh yeah so it was uh It was a different world.
1: So plants are going to be getting smaller across America, it sounds
2: like. I think so. Yeah. And I think that uh, uh, I'd like to think that at some point that uh, this might be a little bit crazy, but I'd like to see more modular nuclear reactors right next to plants. And I think we're going to see some of that in in the not-too-distant future so that you'll actually have – uh you know your own independent independent power for large manufacturing areas so
1: there's no telling what we're going to see in the years to come with technology
2: oh i agree i think it's it's going to be amazing
1: and again that new building on the mtsu campus to be open by the summer of 2025 that's the new applied engineering building and uh, dr ken curry with us this morning thank you for joining us thanks scott Right now that time, 8.30, you're tuned to WGNS. We do have more news and information coming your way in just a minute.
3: Learn to make money five ways with rental real estate. Double your money with apartments and get your map to financial freedom. And that map starts with a free workshop. Sign up now at LifestylesUnlimited.com. Click on the Join Free Workshop tab and attend online or in person. That's LifestylesUnlimited.com. Lifestyle
0: LifestylesUnlimited.com. Again, that's LifestylesUnlimited.com. Limited seating, unlimited potential.
3: CBS News Brief. That coast-to-coast heat wave is going nowhere fast at this Arizona water park. It is miserable being outside, unless you're in the water somehow. Uh, And... It's actually not
0: safe at all.
3: Much of the U.S. will continue to bake through the work week after Russia pulls out of the deal that allowed Ukrainian grain to flow through Russian waters. The end of this deal for now could have an impact on hunger worldwide and food prices pushing more into poverty. The war in Ukraine sent food commodity prices soaring to record highs last year. CBS's Cammie McCormick Moscow blaming Ukraine for an attack on the bridge linking Russian-occupied Crimea with Russia. The jury in the trial of the man convicted of The 2018 Tree of Life Synagogue Massacre in Pittsburgh begins death penalty deliberations.
4: In the end, it would be the court that would impose either a sentence of death or life imprisonment without the possibility of parole.
3: Legal analyst Lori Levinson, 11 worshippers died. CBS News Brief, I'm Vicki Barker. We're talking
1: with Pat
0: Wingo at Adams Place. You can get as involved or not as you want to. I love the activities. I love the live entertainment. Adams Place makes fun. I love the card playing. I love the people, I love the staff, I love the food, and there's as much to
1: do as you want to do. I'm blessed. Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adams Place. Call me for more information about Adams Place. 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart.
0: The Action Line, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com
1: right now that time eight thirty three. now in this next half of the program we have mark murphy the coordinator of recruitment and corporate outreach for the mtsu university college how are you this morning
3: morning scott doing great thanks for having me yeah so what all do you do there on the campus sure so um, i work with our adult population the working adults i'm trying to get them to come to mtsu maybe use their education benefits with their Uh, employer to finish a degree, maybe something they started years ago, or maybe they haven't started yet. Uh, We feel like we've got some streamlined, flexible programs that are geared toward those uh, students.
1: So there are a lot of folks out there who are, you know, 20, 30 years old, 40 years old, and they never finished their degree, but yet they've worked in, let's say, management the last 10 years. What can you help them with as far as getting credits for what the years they've worked I guess
3: absolutely great question so we've got an award-winning prior learning assessment program and we call it PLA for short and that's where we can convert their work experience um, trainings certifications licenses to college level credit to go toward these adult degree completion programs so that not only saves the student time and not having to take one class at a time for those pro- those classes at MTSU uh, but um, also money. So the average student is awarded 24 credit hours through their previous work experience with PLA classes. Um, it is a three-hour class where they create a portfolio with all those experiences, um, and then they're awarded credit. So if they're if a student's awarded 20 hours or 30, they don't pay for those credit hours. They're just paying for the PLA class, the, thir- the three-hour class.
1: So what what's the highest number you've seen of credits awarded to somebody who's
3: been in a career field for 10 or 20 years? Sure. So um, you can be awarded up to 60, but I think the sweet spot is around 48 maximum toward these bachelor's degree programs.
1: And uh, you're talking about earning a, a four-year degree. In what time frame, if you got 40 to 50 hours
3: credit? Sure, it all depends on how many courses a student takes per semester, but um, we've seen everything from, you know, finishing up quick, they're taking as much as they can in a year up to, you know, four years, even if they've got 40 credit hours or so.
1: And then the average degree is how many
3: hours long of of courses? So a bachelor's degree program is 120 credit hours total. Um, So up getting a, a large chunk of percentage with PLA is certainly beneficial
1: so if you got as many as 40 hours 50 hours or like you were saying up to 60 that 60 would be half those hours needed
3: that's right so it's a it is a, a wonderful program a wonderful opportunity for a working adult to finish up much quicker
1: is there an average age that you can tell me as far as the average age of student on the MTSU campus The average age is around 25. So is that higher or lower than other college campuses in Tennessee? So we have a a higher um,
3: more non-traditional adult average population at MTSU compared to other um, universities in the state for sure.
1: So what what do you think causes that because I believe the average age in Rutherford County is around 34 or 35.
3: Sure I think for MTSU geographically we are just right outside of Nashville which Provides working uh, folks in Nashville a short trip to commute to campus if they're doing uh, on-campus courses. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Now, I will say our adult degree completion programs, they are fully online. So whether somebody's from Murfreesboro or uh, California, they don't have to leave home to do these programs.
1: So the online courses, can you earn basically what others would consider a traditional degree all online through
3: MTSU? That's correct. So we've got um, a little over, (coughs) uh, excuse me, we've got around uh, 20 fully online bachelor's degree programs currently. So a student can do everything from English 1010 all the way to their senior level courses from a computer at home uh, for all of those programs. So... Um, And that's a full-blown bachelors of science or bachelor of arts program.
1: So that is also including all the tests and everything You do those online as well,
3: correct? Uh, For the science courses if if there was a lab required that would be from home as well Is it cheaper to do the online courses versus in person? No, it's not cheaper, but it's um, not more expensive. There's a little distance education fee Uh, but it's minimal. And then uh, different scholarships,
1: different uh, loans and whatnot for school, those all cover online just like they would in person? That's right Scott, yes sir. So how can somebody learn more about finishing that degree?
3: Yes, we've got a website that would be a great start, uh, mtsu.edu slash finish now. There's a little bit more information at that website there's also a form you can fill out to have a one-on-one conversation with one of our coordinators or myself. Uh, If anybody, if any of this sounds like something you'd want to do, please don't hesitate. I'd love to talk to you. So with that
1: one-on-one virtual session, that's where you can learn roughly how many hours you think you could possibly earn and then how many hours you're going to need to graduate, I guess.
3: That's right. So we can get you pretty close. We'll call it an unofficial evaluation on the front end until a student actually applies and turns in transcripts. But we can get a pretty good estimate of what to expect and maybe where you'd be sitting okay um, with a conversation ahead of time and does
1: the university have a whole lot of students who are doing the online version these days
3: sure especially after covid um you know covid kind of forced our hand a little bit and making more uh, online programs and a little more online friendly Uh, but we found that a lot of students decided hey i think i'm just going to stick to this option
1: so it was a good option, I guess, for a lot of people.
3: That's right. And especially that working adult population, even if they're right down the road, it's not realistic to expect them to be on campus multiple times a week sometimes. So um, working adults, um, adults with uh, children, you know, any type of adult responsibility, we feel like we've kind of got the sweet spot for those folks.
1: Again, Mark Murphy with us this morning, coordinator of recruitment and corporate outreach for MTSU's University College. When you look at freshman students these days, do you have a lot of freshman students who are doing all online, or is that even possible?
3: It's possible. I I wouldn't, I don't know the exact, um, it's not not a large percentage for those incoming freshmen, but it is an option. Um, If their program is one of those online programs, they can start from day one at home.
1: I remember years ago, so many different colleges used to require
3: that freshmen actually live on campus, but, you know, things have changed a lot. That's right. And uh, MTSU right now, I know housing, as far as the incoming freshmen, uh, there's not even enough space to require that for um, our incoming class. So uh, for on-campus housing.
1: Again, folks can learn more online. And what's the website in order to learn more about online college?
3: That's right. So it's mtsu.edu slash finish now.
1: Sounds good. Again, Mark Murphy with us this morning, coordinator of recruitment and corporate outreach for MTSU's University College. Anything in closing that you'd say to
3: somebody out there who's thinking about finishing a degree? Well, sure. Yes. Like I said earlier, please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you've got any questions. Um, Also, um, one of my responsibilities is working with corporations, businesses in Rutherford County and surrounding areas. So um, if you're listening to this and you're an HR manager for your business and you want to get a little more information about how maybe uh, your staff can use MTSU as as a place for their education benefits, I'd love to talk to you more about what we have to offer for working adults. And is there a phone number they can call you at? Sure. It is 615-898-5585.
1: Sounds good. Again, with us this morning, Mark Murphy, Coordinator of Recruitment and Corporate Outreach for MTSU's University College. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank
3: you
0: very much.
1: Time right now, 842. You're tuned to WGNS. More news and information coming up.
0: The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
4: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. We're at Adams Place talking with Lee Davenport.
0: So I plan to come to Adams Place. I think they're great. Claire's wonderful. Marie's great. They've all been good to me.
1: If a friend asked you, where's the best place to live, what would you tell them?
0: Adams Place This is the best.
1: Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adams Place. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart.
3: We'll see if you spotty showers and thunderstorms possible late this afternoon, areas of hazy times with sunny skies and a high into the mid-90s. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojciechsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently it's 67.
0: The action line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
1: Right now the time, 8.44. Again, you're listening to WGNS. And now on this next segment, the last segment, we're going to be talking about neuromarketing. And Dr. Gaia, and I'm going to let you say your last name. What What is it
4: again? Rancati. So where
1: where does that come from?
4: From Italy, from Milan.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. So uh, neuromarketing, what, what is that?
4: So neuromarketing is uh, the measurement of... Uh, most of the marketing activities uh, through, consu- through neuroscience. So essentially, we are using um, um, uh, neuro tools uh, like uh, eye tracking, uh, galvanic skin response, uh, heart rate, uh, electroencephalography to understand uh, consumer behavior. I'm oversimplifying this, uh, but this is what we do.
1: <laughs> so I know in some other countries right now, there's a lot of talk about uh, different markets being able to, to track that move you know, from one store to another. Is that something that you see happening in the US as far as with currency, like when you use your debit card, for example, at one store, then go to the next? The different consumers are able to see exactly where you're going?
4: I mean, uh, uh, what happened in the market today is uh, worldwide with uh, some specificities uh, specificity that are uh, connected to the American market or the European market and so forth. uh, But yes, absolutely. So um, when it deals uh, with the neuromarketing, I would say what we usually do in the retail stores uh, is uh, trying to understand uh, where, for example, the gaze goes uh, when the the people are entering the store. So where are the places where uh, uh, people look most at? uh, What are uh, the places in the island? aisle in the supermarket where you can best locate a product uh, and uh, so forth.
1: So how do you go about deciding and and actually taking a look at where people first go when they enter the store and what they're looking
4: for? So there are several ways. Uh, um, Aside from a camera that, uh, if possible, we place uh, inside a store, uh, when people enter the store, we usually make them wearing uh, an eye tracker that essentially is a glass uh could be a sunglass, but they are uh, uh, glasses that they are wearing and when they are inside we are able to see where the gaze goes, uh, um, the fixation, how long they stay looking at something and most of these responses are unconscious. So they are not uh, aware of what is happening. We make uh, the people entering the same supermarket, the same store several times and then we analyse the data. and we decide where are the best uh, uh, places where to locate uh, some product, uh, uh, whether these products are um, food or uh, dresses or whatever.
1: So are you also looking at different price points and trying to figure out, well, you know, this number doesn't scare this retailer away, but yet this number does?
4: Uh, yes and no, it uh, really depends because uh, when you think about uh, scaring, uh, it depends on the market. So most of my research is in luxury, so luxury premium, so that is not the part of fear because uh, most of the people uh, are uh, can afford to buy this kind of product. Uh, what we can, uh, what we check, uh, and this uh, happens mostly in you know, online shopping, uh, is uh, how long the consumer keep the product uh, in the cart and uh, why they are doing this so where they browse uh, in um, in, uh, in the website, uh, and then uh, what kind of product they pick, uh, how long uh, they keep uh, the product in the cart, uh, how long does it take to take the decision. This is something that for us is very, very interesting.
1: And your background has been in that high-end market, I guess, for quite some time.
4: Yes, yes, so I, I mean, I come from Milan, so Milan is uh, fashion, so it was kind of uh, easier for me to enter that uh, that area. And yes, uh, I decided to move uh, in in luxury. So I work for Max Mara, and then my last company was Louis Vuitton. And um, I find this uh, very important because usually all the new techniques in sales and in marketing uh, come from luxury. And then uh, as a cascade, uh, they go to the mass market. Uh, somehow um, the customer are affluent there and they have the shadow wallet uh, to buy. And if something work there, then it can be declined uh, in the other market uh, that can be premium or mass market, as I said.
1: So, so how did you make that transition from uh, being in retail to being a professor?
4: <laughs> so, um... To be honest, uh, I was bored. <laughs> so I was uh, at Louis Vuitton, uh, and I said, uh, I really reached uh, the, the top uh, of the brands, uh, and now what? And I really was looking for challenges. Uh, and then I read a book, uh, and the book uh, was uh, The Trust Molecule. I mentioned this because uh, this book really changed my life. Um, in this book, uh, it, uh, the author, that is Paul Zak, uh, was uh, talking about uh, oxytocin, Toxin as a way to trust uh, other people and so I said uh, this can be applied uh, in retail so you really need to trust uh, the sales assistant if you want to buy a luxury product so I sent him an email and I said uh, um, I don't know you but I might have an idea um, and I'm doing uh, a PhD and this idea might work so he said yes this could be a good idea uh, we set up uh, a meeting on zoom and he said uh, it. Uh, I want you at Claremont Graduate University, and that was my adventure. So seven years ago, I moved in the United States, and I'm still here.
1: So seven years ago, was that your first move to the US? Yes, yes. So from then on, you've been at MTSU for how long now?
4: Uh, This is my first year. So California, Pennsylvania, and now Tennessee, that uh, I very much uh, like uh, more than Pennsylvania.
1: And those are all quite different states for sure. Yes. Yes. And then when it comes to marketing here in Tennessee, when you're teaching students, are you focusing on some of the markets locally or are you mainly given a broad overview?
4: So I do both. So what I can bring, I brought here at Middle Tennessee State University is a worldwide knowledge. So the students are exposed in my class to all the brand worldwide. Some of them uh, don't know the brands, but I think that uh, future marketers uh, should have uh, a worldwide perspective. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I put the student uh, in a situation of ease uh, of comfort. Uh, so starting from this semester, I am um, I have a collaboration with the local brand, uh, and I can mention this, it's and uh, They have uh, several stores uh, in uh, the malls here around, uh, and so we start uh, an important project uh, that will involve uh, uh, traditional techniques and neuromarketing techniques uh, starting from September.
1: So you have local college students who are going to be helping out with the marketing yes. for buckle. That's Yes.
4: Cool. Yes. They will be uh, they don't know yet maybe if they are listening they will get to know. <laughs> but yes. Yes.
1: And what do you think the most the most important aspect is about marketing and and when you look at neuromarketing what's the most important aspect about
4: it? So um, I I consider neuromarketing simply a tool to provide additional information um, than traditional techniques are not able to give. So, for example, if I ask you how was your experience in a retail store through a survey, you can give me an answer based on what you are feeling after the experience. Neuromarketing is able to provide you information during the experience, while you are living the experience. So usually uh, what we do is uh, putting the customer some sensors at their kind of wrist that are able to analyze their galvanic skin response and the heart rate so neuromarketing somehow complete is able to complete the mm, traditional marketing technique and say this is what is happening throughout inside the experience so i see neuromarketing like uh, um, closing the circle uh, something that was missing. And so in this way, we have uh, a broader perspective of what is going on.
1: So when do- doing neuromarketing research, if you have somebody, let's say wear a bracelet to determine their heart rate when looking at one item versus another, are, are you gonna be doing this at stores all across the country eventually?
4: Yes. So what I do, so my my specialty is uh, working on a sales assistant uh, and uh, customer interaction uh, because, uh, in my opinion, this is what matters. So sometimes we buy a product because uh, we like a store and sometimes we like a store because of the sales assistant that is in the store or we don't like the store because we don't like the sales assistant. And uh, today, with uh, the increase of technology, I don't measure only uh, the sales assistant uh, when the sales assistant is a human, but I measure also the interaction between sales assistant and customer when the sales assistant is a robot. And uh, when I say robot, uh, I don't mean only a physical robot. Yes, I have also physical robot, one in in my house too, but I mean also non-physical robots. uh, So when uh, we interact with uh, Siri, with Alexa. These are robots uh, empowered by artificial intelligence. So um, I measure what are the reactions that we have. So my last research uh, is about uh Um, when you are buying a product uh, and Alexa is uh, suggesting you to buy the product, uh, would you buy the product uh, that you want uh, or would you buy the product uh, that Alexa suggests you? And uh, what if Alexa, instead of having a female voice uh, as a male voice, uh, would you trust Alexa in the same way? So this is uh, my last uh, study. And uh, neuromarketing was very helpful and useful to understand all of this.
1: So in that study, did you find a male voice was better than a female voice or vice versa?
4: So this is a very good question and uh, uh, this is what I brought uh, also at the World Neuromarketing Forum. I tell you this, we are moving the gender stereotypes that we have in the human world, in the artificial intelligence world. So. when the um, says, uh, assistant so when the robot was uh, a male whose name was Ziggy, it was perceived uh, as more technical and authoritative, whereas uh, when the voice was the voice of Alexa, it was perceived like warm and caring. That means that we are moving the stereotypes to that world and uh, what was vo- uh, very interesting was also that uh, um Alexa was perceived uh, as warm and caring, uh, specifically by male customers, uh, and uh, Ziggy was perceived as technical and authoritative by female customers. That means uh, that uh, the stereotypes uh, persist uh, cross gender because uh, you know, uh, because you are a male, that Ziggy cannot be a male (laughs) because you are male as a female know that Alexa cannot be a female because I am a female. So that is what I found.
1: Interesting. And, and where can people learn more about some of your past studies and learn more about neuromarketing?
4: So, they can reach out to me, but there are several books. I would say for start, uh, I would say Neuromarketing for Dummies, <laughs> that has been written by Steve Jenko. I really like that book and uh, uh, my research have uh, been published published so they can definitely Google Gaia Rancati and they can find everything and uh, um, also they can follow for example the latest research uh, following the World Neuromarketing Forum that is where we are where we show all the newest uh, kind of research that are happening.
1: And again with us this morning Dr. Gaia And it's Renkati? Yes. (laughs) MTSU and again Professor of Marketing and Neuromarketing in the Jones College of Business. And uh, thank you for joining us today.
4: You're welcome.
1: (laughs) Time right now, 8.58. We'll save all of this as a podcast in just a few minutes. Make sure you stay with us. We have more news and information coming up.
0: We're Radio, WGNS 100.5, 101.9, 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com.